Welcome to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden, primary care physician and acute care hospitalist at Hennepin Healthcare in downtown Minneapolis, where we cover the latest in health, healthcare, and what matters to you. And now here's your host, Dr. David Hilden. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. David Hilden, and this is episode 22 of the Healthy Matters Podcast. I am your host, and today we're going to talk about your skin. I'm an internal medicine doctor, so I don't do skin, but I have somebody who does. I have the chair of the Department of Dermatology at Hennepin Healthcare, Dr. Jenny Liu, who is going to help us through some of the most important things you're going to want to know about your skin. Dr. Liu, thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk about skin. Yeah, you're you're kind of an advocate for healthy skin. I've I've known you for some years now, and (laughs) you're the one who bathes your children in sunscreen and all that. I try. Do you? (laughs) I try, but realistically, it doesn't always happen. So we're going to talk about things. You know, in my practice, I think that um, people are concerned about their heart, they're concerned about their liver and their kidneys, but you can't see those things. Um, You can see your skin. And so I think this is a topic that's going to appeal to many people. So let's talk about the first thing on lots of people's minds, and that is just general tips for protecting your skin. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing we think about protecting our skin is from environmental damage. So ultraviolet radiation, the sun, that is one of the biggest driving factors when we think about a lot of the things that we see on our skin that come from chronic sun damage. So aside from the aging, the leathery skin, the cosmetic concerns is skin cancer. Right. And skin cancer is the most common cancer that we see in people here in the U.S., including basal cell skin cancer, squamous cell skin cancer and melanoma. Are these things preventable? Absolutely. To a degree. I mean, most of these skin cancers are driven by chronic sun exposure or intermittent sunburns and tanning bed use. So in many ways, they are preventable. And the best thing you can do is being smart about sun protection. So that is, you know, wearing sunscreen on a regular basis, but you can't just stop there because we know sunscreen only does so much and it's not perfect. So this is where if you're going to be going on a sunny vacation, you want to bring your sun protective clothing, your hats, reapply, you know, as often as needed, and then trying to seek shade during the like periods where we know sun is the most powerful. So usually between, we typically say 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. So Jenny, let's talk about the sun sunscreen issue, first of all. I've had people tell me, well, it's a chemical. It's not safe in any way. A base tan's healthy for you anyway. How do you answer them? Well, first I go back to say, what do you mean by a chemical? Because we are all made of chemical structures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, there has not been a single study that has shown that sunscreen is not safe, whether it's for human health or say even the curl bleaching that we worry about with environmental concerns. It has yet to be determined. But what we do know is that, yes, and of course, in all sorts of medicine, right, when they test ingredients or medications, right? And it shows maybe endocrine disruption and Mm -hmm. things like that. And there have been studies on humans, but none has shown that sunscreens, whether it's chemical filters or physical filters, are unsafe. So some of them are chemical filters, some are physical. Say more about that. Let's talk about that. So the chemical filters are usually the ones that when you look at the active ingredients in the sunscreen, usually you will see like a list of them, like avobenzone, oxybenzone, which is the big one that's been controversial that has been, you know, quote unquote, maybe shown to have reproductive or endocrine issues or maybe causing environmental issues. And so those are the chemical filters. And they work by mostly absorbing the energy from the sun and then dissipating it so it doesn't go into your skin, harm your skin. And then there are what we call the physical sunscreen. So those are where it mostly works by blocking out the UV rays like a wall. So it kind of balances off the harmful rays so that way it doesn't get absorbed to your skin. 
I used to go skiing out west back in the day, and everybody had white faces. Yeah. So that's the problem. So there's pros and cons to both. Now, I personally actually love chemical sunscreens myself. And yes, you can use them. I'm currently expecting... You can use them during pregnancy. I think that's one of the biggest questions, like which sunscreen is safe? Now, if you read on social media and things, I think dermatologists, because of the controversy, have started to recommend more mineral sunscreens because mm-hmm. we just rather have you feel comfortable than not use your sunscreen, right? But I actually love chemical sunscreens because we know they actually work better and also they're a lot more elegant. But I would say pick the sunscreen that you feel like you're going to want to use. The problem is, like you said with those mineral sunscreens, is that the traditional ones are really white and pasty. You look funny. You look kind of funny. And if you have darker skin tone, it may not be elegant, right? So then, you know, we've come a long ways from sunscreen formulation. Now we even have tinted sunscreens. So not only will they look cosmetically elegant, but it contains an ingredient that's found in like cover-up makeup that's called iron oxide, which we actually know blocks visible light, which is also part of that light spectrum, which doesn't really play a role in, say, causing skin cancer, but we think actually make play a important role in photo aging, so skin aging. And for individuals who are darker skin tone and are suffering from hyperpigmentation disorders, like for example, melasma, visible light, in addition to ultraviolet radiation can be a big driving force behind that. But yes, sunscreen is really your best friend when it comes to preventing skin damage from the sun, skin cancer, as well as skin aging. The question I always get from my patients, like I went on vacation, I wore my sunscreen, but I still burn or tan. Well, usually it's because, number one, you're solely relying on sunscreen because we know sunscreen, even if you're using it properly and correctly, gives you only like 98% of protection. And if you are sweating it off, if you are swimming and that's coming off, and your sunscreen will kind of degrade over time, even when it's on your skin, even if you're doing nothing, right? Yeah, so it, it isn't, you know, you yeah, I put it's it on when perfect. I left the hotel yeah. and then I came back six hours later right. and I was Yeah, sunburned. it will kind of start to film this film with your skin, with the oil on your skin, it kind of stops working. If you're outside, you have to reapply every two hours. And also most people we know tend to underapply. So to give you an idea how much you need for an average adult, it's about one ounce, like a shot glass full of sunscreen. And you have to put that all over your body, head to toe, every two hours to get that SPF protection. And then with that, it's about, you know, 98%. basically you have to use that whole tube or that bottle in a a day. You go through it pretty quickly. Yeah, if you're on, on, on vacation. So this is where you should never rely on just sunscreen alone. So I recommend in like putting on your rash guard, some protective clothing, and then reapply where you have exposed areas. And then in addition, a big white brim hat. Sounds good. Now, how do you answer people who say, but I need a base tan? Yeah, so that we have already debunked. It's not true. Tanning is a sign that your skin is screaming that I am getting damaged. And so getting a base tan, first of all, not only just adds to the damage, does not prevent you from getting further sun damage. Okay, so no more about that. No, no more no, base no, tans. No. Don't go to the tanning booth. No. Don't you know? No, and tanning booth—that's another bad thing too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? boy, like, they used to be big. Are they still around? Yes, they are, and I always gawk when I see one. But tanning bed use—we know number one—it's a lot more powerful than the sun. So not only are you getting damage, you're getting a lot more intense damage. And in fact, we know getting one session before the age of twenty can increase your risk of developing melanoma up to fifty percent. Oh, good and heavens. that risk increases with each 
subsequent tanning bed use. So in addition from just the skin cancer, you're aging your skin at much more accelerated rates. So it's not worth it. Okay, so what we've learned so far, apply your sunscreen, Mm -hmm. apply it more frequently than Mm -hmm. you think. Base tans are no good. good. And you can't rely solely on sunscreen. You need to have clothing in the light. Yeah, and obviously we kind of have to take this into context and what's practical, right? So Mm -hmm. those are great tips for when you're on vacation. But on a day-to-day, you know, I put my sunscreen on and that's it, right? If you're not really out and about and you're not planning to go outside after work, then certainly that can just be your base layer. And if you're mostly inside, you're probably safe. So we're in Minnesota where it's sunny sometimes, but it's not exactly Miami. Do you put it on every day anyway? Yes. First of all, ultraviolet radiation, there is correlation with intensity during sunny days than cloudy days, right? But we know that UVA, which is one of the wavelengths of ultraviolet radiation, come through clouds, come through glass. And that is the one that tends to go deeper in your skin. So when you talk about like leathery skin from chronic sun damage, the aging... It contributes to, you know, skin cancer, but the aging and the hyperpigmentation, that is kind of the biggest driver. So you're really never, quote unquote, safe unless you live in the black box. Yeah, okay. So I think this is where, you know, obviously you're probably not going to get skin cancer if you're mostly indoors and you don't wear sunscreen, right? But if you are a patient of mine and I'm talking to you about treating melasma and you really need to want to treat that aggressively, then sunscreen every single day is a must. And so it's really the best thing that you can do for your skin. What do you say when you're talking about sunscreen and staying out of the sun and to people who about vitamin D? They say, well, I need vitamin D. I'm vitamin D deficient. Well, what, what do you say about that? Absolutely. Vitamin D is very important for our overall health. So what we do know is that individuals will make vitamin D at different levels depending on your ethnicity and where you are geographically. So you should never risk your skin being damaged for vitamin D synthesis because you may not even be making appropriate amount of vitamin D. So I always say sunscreen and take it from supplements or through food. Also, what we actually have shown is that sunscreen actually doesn't really impact your vitamin D synthesis. So long story short, don't skip out sunscreen for the potential risk of vitamin D deficiency. Just get your vitamin D through supplements and food. That's a great tip because I do hear that all the time from people. And so that, that's a good response to that. We're talking with Dr. Jenny Liu, Chair of Dermatology at Hennepin Healthcare, and apparently we're not wearing enough sunscreens. When we come back, I would like to talk a little bit about skin cancer. How do I know if that little blob on my skin is something I should be worried about? And then we're going to talk about, is there anything you can actually do if your skin's aging or wrinkled or anything like that? Is there anything you can do? And then we're going to talk about some common skin conditions. So we have a lot more to cover. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. Have a question or a comment for the doctor? Become a part of our show by reaching out to us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or give us a call at 612-873-TALK. That's 612-873-8255. And now let's get back to more healthy conversation. And we're back. We're talking with Dr. Jenny Liu, the chair of dermatology at Hennepin Healthcare. She works here with me, a colleague of mine for some years, of of someone that I have come to really know and trust about skin issues here in downtown Minneapolis. So now, Dr. Liu, let's talk a little bit about skin cancer. How do I know? When should I be concerned about that little mole or ditzel or spot on my skin? When should I be worried? I think first and foremost, has it been changing? And is it changing aggressively? You know, like say it's doubled in size in a couple of weeks to a month? Is it 
tender? Is it bleeding? Do you have a new spot that is very sore that just won't heal up? Those are common signs I tell my patients to look for. And certainly, if you've had a history of tanning bed use, a family history of skin cancer, in particular melanoma, a lot of sun exposure, sunburns, you know, I think it's actually not a bad idea for all individuals to kind of get a skin check by the time you hit your like 40s and 50s. Just like once look over by a dermatologist especially if you have those risk factors I mentioned earlier. So basal cell and squamous cell carcinomas are the most common cancers that humans get, correct? Yes, yes. They are. And so but they don't spread to the body. The dreaded one is melanoma. Yeah, so melanoma is the big one that potentially can spread and it spreads a little more easily. Basal cells, for the most part, no. Squamous cells can. It's kind of the intermediate and it really depends on the location. But certainly, I would not want anyone to sit on a squamous cell or a melanoma for an extended period of time. But basal cells you could have for years and it's a very indolent cancer. And literally, you know, even if it's been there for years, for the most part, we just cut it out and it's your quote-unquote cured. Yeah, and I've yeah. had people have had them in, in weird spots, in their ear, for yeah, instance, and all yeah. kinds of weird locations. Yeah. yeah, certainly it's one that we know is associated with blistering sunburns that, and melanoma too, where we know there is a component of sun exposure, but that's not 100% of the story. Squamous cell we see usually in areas of chronic sun damage, and certainly there is other things like chronic inflammation, like wounds and stuff like that. So it's not just aging of the skin. It's yeah. skin cancer is another reason to yeah. protect your skin when you you go out. Let's shift gears to some of the common skin conditions you see in your practice. I imagine it's like dry skin, acne, things like that. Yeah, I would say the top three, aside from like getting a skin check to make sure that there isn't anything concerning, would be acne eczema, you know, warts and psoriasis. And then along with the skin check are kind of, you know, growth of the skin. And there are certainly a handful that we see just that develop naturally in everyone as we get older. And I like to call them the wisdom spots. Wisdom spots. Good. Yeah. good. I like that yeah. better than the, you're getting you're getting to be an old codger spot. It isn't quite <laughs> isn't quite as good a yeah. term. Okay. Acne, the scourge of teenagers everywhere and some adults. Yes. I swear I probably see more adult patients, adult female in particular with acne than teenagers. I think we used to think of acne as like a puberty thing. Totally. But no, you know, 30 to 40% of adults, in particular women, will struggle with either continuation of acne from adolescence or new onset that they've never had before. And this is often driven by the hormones that we have uh, commonly associated with our menstrual cycle. Classically, it's more deeper acne, more what we call in that beard distribution in men. So lower jawline, chin, lower cheeks. Some people even get it on their neck and body. And it can be really frustrating because it just doesn't seem to go away. But we have great treatments for that. Usually we prescribe oral medications to kind of help modulate the hormones to help with our female patients. And certainly there are actually great things over the counter. I recommend people trying if you can't get into dermatologists or you know right away. And that is using a benzoproxide cleanser. The drying agents. The drying but you know it there are actually great um, products now that are not drying or irritating. So a few of my favorite brands so number one is like the Panoxyl, or just even like a generic Target CVS brand with benzoproxide, anywhere between 2.5 to 10% is great for the body because people, we also break out on the body too. So great for the chest and back. So that's a great one to use regularly if you have a mild acne. And then if you have dry skin, two of my favorite brands are from CeraVe, their acne foaming cleanser, which is 4% benzoproxide. And then Cetaphil also has a new one that is out for acne that contains benzoproxide. So that's a great cleanser. And I like this one 
one because it works well and it's less irritating than the leave-on treatment, which benzoproxide also exists over the counter. Is that, and it um, doesn't bleach fabric, towels, and T-shirts, which the leave-on product will, and it's just as effective. Just leave it on for a few minutes. So that's a good start. And then the other thing that is now. A um, over-the-counter that used to be a prescription. You're probably familiar with this, Dave. Is adapalene or Differin? Mm-hmm. So that's a topical retinoid. That is one of the really best treatments we have. And honestly, I will even point my patients to that when they come into the office if they haven't started anything, if they want to try something kind of to treat and prevent mild acne. So there are some things you can do at home. Mm-hmm. If you are noticing a lot of marks from your acne and scars, and your acne is pretty deep and severe, this is where no skincare products, no treatments over the counter are really going to touch it. This is when you need to see a dermatologist. Or if you give the topical treatments over the counter a try, after a few months you're not getting better, then please come and see us. We can help. Right, because sometimes it can lead to permanent scarring. Yeah. It can be pretty bad. New topic. Dry yeah. skin. Yeah. We live in Minnesota where six yeah. months of the year there's zero moisture in the air, you know, in the winter time, and everybody's got dry my your knuckles get mm-hmm. cracked and your skin's just just dry, 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 dry. What do you do about that? So certainly we see a significant flare of eczema during the winter time. So I recommend a few easy tips that everybody can follow at home. And you should just do this all year round, okay? I actually encourage people, especially with dry skin, to bathe regularly because bathing wets your skin. And when your skin is damp, it's the optimal time to put on a moisturizer to really help to repair your skin. So that way your skin, dry skin gets better. So certainly don't be afraid of bathing or showering. But what you want to keep in mind is, especially in the winter, where hot water just seems sounds amazing, you really want to limit that. Hot water can be extremely dry and irritating, so comfortably warm. Okay, okay? it doesn't have to be a cold shower. No, no, no. And cold sometimes can be, like the extremes are never good. So yeah, something in yeah, between yeah. where it's comfortable. Limit your water contact time, whether it's bath or shower, to about like 15 minutes or less. There's a lot of great dental cleansers, but you want to stay away from like the really harsh ones that I think of are like the Irish spring or something like that, you know, the ivory soap. But even if you do use those and you like them, just limit the use to your armpits and buttocks. Anywhere that's visibly dirty. The rest of that you don't need You don't need. Yeah, because what are you doing with those? It's not like you're trying to sterilize your skin, right? That's not the point. And if you're not dirty, water is sufficient to remove everything. Oh, that's interesting. If you have sweat, certainly that's where the soap can come in. That's why the armpits and the buttocks. But that's really all you need. And then... you put the moisturizer so the on key, right away. Yes. So when you come out of I've the shower. I've never done that in my life. Yeah, it's like a race. You literally <laughs> I've never out. once put on moisturizer. Well, I, have, I put it on twice yeah, you, in the last 30 years, but never jeans. after the shower. I've never done that. You've got a good jeans then. <laughs> this is the same tip I tell my eczema patients. Like whether it's a baby or an adult struggling with eczema is literally the key is your moisturizer when you come out of the shower or bath. So pat the skin dry and when let like first minute or two when your skin is still damp is really your prime opportunity to put on the moisturizer because contrary to what the moisturizers do, it's a misnomer. They don't actually moisturize your skin. What they do is they help soften and stuff, but they really just prevent what we call transepidermal water loss. So water is evaporating from your skin after the shower, and you really want to hold in that moisture, oh. that water content as much as possible, and that is what moisturizers really I do. I never thought of it that yeah. way. Oh, that's a great tip. Yeah. Okay, now I want to talk about... Okay, I didn't do all those things. I'm getting older. I've got wrinkled skin, or maybe I'm just genetically predisposed to wrinkled skin, mm. and my skin's getting a little leathery and old. And is it too late? Is there anything I can do about that? So, as a dermatologist, it's never too late to start sun protection. Okay. And sunscreen is your first and foremost 
most important anti-aging product that you should use. If you spend all this money on cosmetics or fancy products and you don't do your sunscreen, it's a waste of money. So it's never too late. It's never too late. But yes, there are things that you can do. It really depends on the severity and your concerns. But there are great products that are available that can help with minor concerns of fine lines, wrinkles, uneven skin texture and skin tone. Um, aside from sunscreen, I would say one of the biggest things that we kind of we we know with the skin as we age is just the dryness. We actually produce less oil. Dry skin will make fine lines and wrinkles more pronounced. So moisturizers are really really important. So that's always something. So sunscreen, moisturizers, and then in between, you can kind of fill in with ingredients like, you know, some of the trending ones that we know that work really well, like a topical retinoid. So Jenny, what's a topical retinoid? That is probably our biggest well-researched ingredient that we know will help with, you know, reversing um, and certainly minimizing or improving the signs of aging to a degree. So topical retinoid is this all-encompassing term. Retinoids are basically a class of ingredients that basically structurally is very similar to vitamin A. And we obviously in dermatology use vitamin A for various different concerns medically as well as cosmetically. But retinoids, like for example, the most well-researched is the prescription tretinoin. That is a cream that we know actually will go in to your skin with time, with use over time that will actually modify your collagen production in the skin, your skin, what we call cellular turnover that tends to be a little bit more disorganized, if you will, and a little bit slower as we age. And so that is what the topical retinoids really do. And with that, what you see clinically are more even skin texture, improved skin tone, improvement of the fine lines or wrinkles. And so that is probably by far the holy grail when it comes to treating and reversing some of those superficial signs of skin aging. And there are other ingredients too. But like I said, it's really having a good skincare and a home. And when I say good, it's not like expensive, right? You have to just use consistency, use the right products and stick to it and and see a dermatologist if your concerns are not being addressed. What about wrinkles and Botox. Yeah. So Botox, what it does is it's a toxin that basically temporarily... It doesn't sound good. I know. so good. Botulinum toxin. So what it does is it temporarily causes, inhibits your muscles from contracting. And they're really good for what we call dynamic lines. So, you know, some people are more expressive than others. And over time, those lines with muscle movement will kind of get etched into your skin. So, and that kind of correlates with just the process of skin aging too. But a lot of people have what we call the frown line. So like the 11s in between your eyebrows and then when they raise up their forehead, you know, maybe to start, it's only visible with movement, but over time, it even is there when you don't make expressions. So that is what Botox is really good for, is to help make your muscles in a way paralyze your muscles so that way you don't continue to make those expressions so that way over time those expressive lines will improve. Is it safe? It's safe, yes. I mean, when it's done by a trained provider, professional, it is very safe. Certainly, you know, if you're pregnant and breastfeeding, that's another discussion. But the idea is you keep it in your skin so that way it's only localized to that area and it doesn't really have any effect on the body. So is it something you have to do forever, over and over, or yeah. is it one one and done? Yeah, so it's kind of those, because the effects of Botox only last about three to six months, it's one of those things where it is probably something that 
you may want to do for like most people will go in for a touch up. So certainly the the frequency of touch up may decrease over time as your muscle kind of learn to be less mobile. Um, but it is not just a one time treatment, unfortunately. Okay, so we've talked about acne, we've talked about dry skin, we've talked about wrinkles and Botox, and at the beginning of the segment we talked about uh, those changing moles on your skin. So Jenny, if you could give people a few tips about skin care, what would they be? So number one, it sounds cliched, but always wear sunscreen and it's never too really early or too late. Sunscreen is really our best product we have at preventing skin cancer, skin damage with associated aging. And if people are interested in either prevention of rapid skin aging or say are experiencing skin aging, sunscreen is really a must in your daily routine. So number one, there's no two ways about it. Tip number one is sunscreen. What about the moisturizer tips? And also don't underestimate the importance of moisturizer. So think of your skin as like leather, right? If you use leather, but don't take care of the leather with some sort of treatment, it's going to get beaten up and it's going to dry and get damaged over time. Our skin is chronically under damage in many different ways, whether it's the sun, hand washing, other environmental stressors. And so moisturizer is really our only way of what we call replenishing your skin barrier. So adding nutrients to your skin. So moisturizer are super important. And I would say in addition to the sunscreen, those are really your two must essentials that you should do for your skin on a daily basis. Sunscreen and moisturizer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, the tip about lesions that are changing on your skin. Yeah. So always see a dermatologist if you have a concern, especially if the lesion is rapidly changing over the period period of two to four weeks very quickly. And it's, you know, looking very different than what it used to be. It's bleeding, it's tender, or just any new sores that don't heal within a given amount of time. And I say three months is a good period of time. This is where I think seeing a dermatologist would be really helpful. Another tip I find useful for my patients is, you know, often when we are looking at a spot on a day-to-day basis, it's really hard to tell whether it's truly changing. So if you have a spot of concern, take a baseline photo and then go back to it maybe few weeks later, a month later, don't need to look at it every single day. And compare the actual to the photo. Is it changing? If it's changing, see your dermatologist. I love that tip because how do you really know? These don't change in an hour. They're yeah. changing day yeah. to day to day. And and, yeah. and maybe it's even on your back. You don't know. So right. you have to have a, someone in your household look at it. Those are great tips. Sunscreen, moisturizing, get those changing lesions looked at on your skin. So we've been talking all things skin with Dr. Jenny Liu, dermatologist and chair of the Department of Dermatology at Hennepin Healthcare here in downtown Minneapolis. I hope you've learned something about your skin. I know I have. What I've learned is that there are some simple things you can do and that prevention might be one of the most important things. That's what I got from you, Jenny. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back. It's been great having you on the show. And listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and maybe give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you'll join us for the next episode. And in the meantime, be healthy and be well. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Matters Podcast with Dr. David Hilden. To keep up to date with the latest in healthcare and your health, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on Healthy Matters or to browse the archive, visit our website at healthymatters.org. And if you have a question or comment for the doctor, email us at healthymatters at hcmed.org or give us a call at 612-873-TALK. To catch all the latest from Dr. Hilden and the Healthy Matters Podcast, Follow us on Twitter at DR David Hilden. 
Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support us, please leave us a review and share the Healthy Matters podcast with your friends and family. The Healthy Matters podcast is made possible by Hennepin Healthcare in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and engineered by John Lucas at Highball. Executive producers are Jonathan Comito and Christine Hill. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during this program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have more serious or pressing health concerns. Until next time, be healthy and be well.